This is episode number 120, Survive to Thrive with Lisa Olson. Welcome, my name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a brief announcement and invite all of our listeners to our upcoming virtual meetup called Courageous Conversations. You're probably wondering, what is that? This is a place that we started where we meet through Zoom every single Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Central Time. This is an opportunity for you to connect with other members of this community, people who have been a part of our events, people who have been guests on our podcast, people who have shared their stories, or simply those that have stumbled upon our work and wanted to learn more about what we do. So how does it work? Well, every single Saturday, we have a topic that relates to our daily lives. And we choose to use that hour to discuss that particular topic by giving a chance and an opportunity to everyone that joins to share their own lived perspectives as it comes to that particular theme. So if you are looking to become a part of this community or are curious about what this space has to do and what it can create in your life, please go ahead and leave us a message through our website in which we'll respond back to you with all of the information about when the event happens and how you can join us on each and every single one of those calls. Now, let's get back to our show. Welcome back to another episode of the Overcoming Ads podcast. Today's guest is someone that I was fortunate enough to meet through a group that her and I are mutually a part of called Unconventional Leaders. And it is something that Heather Parody had started and I was fortunate enough to also connect with her. Um, it feels like it's been years ago, but it's only been a couple months. And uh, today's guest, her name is Lisa Olson, and I wanted to have her on the show to give her an opportunity to share about her story and also to talk about this theme, which ironically enough is the same exact theme of the event that we're going to be hosting in Philadelphia called Survive to Thrive. So, Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you, Oleg. I'm so happy to connect with you again. And you're right. It feels like we've known each other quite some time. Yeah. No, I appreciate you being a part of it. And I'm really glad that, like I told you before, that I can finally put a face behind the Facebook profile and the image that's, you know, I think that's what we ultimately go for. Um, In my opinion, when I connect with people, I really try and connect with them. For me, they're just something, especially something recently that I've realized it just doesn't make sense to extend the invite and leave it at that, right? Mm-hmm. Just build it for the sake of building numbers. It's like if you're building it, might as well take one more step and say, hey, would you be open to a phone call or a podcast interview or an in-person meeting? So I think that's what we're trying to do anyway is to further develop that community and our own sense of identity throughout it. That's something lacking and that is something I touch on with my keynote speeches is connecting 
humans. And it seems mm. like a simple two words, but it, you can take that many, many ways. And I get into that when I'm speaking, connecting mm -hmm. humans. Mm -hmm. uh, Facebook like is swell, but you're not connecting as a human. Mm -hmm. It's acknowledgement, mm -hmm. but did it matter? I mean, it, you know, you could go on about that topic. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very true. Um, the way that I would like to start off this episode is something similar that I do with a lot of our guests to give our guests some context as far as who you are. And that is ask you this question that we get asked probably thousands and thousands of times throughout our day. And that is, who are you? How would you answer that? My name is Lisa David Olson. That's the name I go by these days. I've had four last names, <laughs> three husbands. Um, and so I go by Lisa David Olson when I speak and when I write books. And otherwise, just Lisa Olson would be so common. You, if you mm -hmm. Google that throughout the Midwest, you'll never find me. So I stole my <laughs> husband's middle name to uh, define my name to make it differently. And I'm a humorist. I'm a speaker. I'm a survivor of childhood trauma, and I have gone on to write about it, and I absolutely connect humans, and the way I do that is through humor. Mm, I love that. I love that for so many reasons, and one of those reasons is the topic that you and I are going to talk about today, and that is how we can use some of the childhood trauma and the different moments of survival that we went through to help us thrive thrive in today's day and age. <laughs> so to give some context to that, what we've done when it comes to the event that we're going to host is I remember I actually sat down with myself and asked myself the question of what are the things that helped me survive and how am I carrying those with me? And I came up with four principles that work for me and that is trust, belief, connection, and choice. I'm curious to know from your end, when, when you think of kind of your own past and the different things that you went through, what do you still carry with you as far as those skills and methods and mechanisms that are helping you thrive in the person that you are today? First off, I love that you sat down with you. You said, mm -hmm. I sat down with myself and I immediately pictured you took yourself out for lunch and I applaud that. <laughs> I hope you paid. <laughs> It's interesting about your list that you say trust, belief, connection, and choice. My list is written on the same piece of paper. Mm -hmm. And mine is listening, trusting, expressing your value, and boundaries. Mm. Boundaries are so huge. And boundaries are not just for the boundary setter. The boundaries are for those you place them on. You're... Mm -hmm. Not that your intention is to protect them. Obviously, there's a reason you need space, but boundaries is so important to me. Um, I don't speak with every single person in my given genetic family. I, I assume that your story is similar. And mm -hmm. family is who you choose. And those whom I can trust fully make it in the circle. And for that, that circle for me is my comedy family, my comedy troupe. And there've been people who come and go, but the solid troop that I've kept is definitely my, my people that I would trust, that mm -hmm. I do trust. Mm -hmm. I do. And that's, that's huge. I think that aligns so much with you and I about trust because mm -hmm. coming from trauma, you, 
you can't believe that a nice gesture is, is being nice. It might've been making up for whatever happened the day before, or it might be setting you up to let your guard down. So I, I think that we'll always have those issues, I believe. Mm-hmm. For those words that are not familiar with your story and some of the background, would you be willing to share a little bit of context as far as like what you went through and, and had to work through and in, in becoming who you are today? Sure. And I always will share my story openly. So any follow-up questions you have, you're open to it. It's fine Mm -hmm. with me. I grew up in an alcoholic home. My mother was a raging alcoholic who physically harmed us. Um, She would have, nowadays I know, and this is a huge aha, nowadays I understand she was manic or Mm -hmm. bipolar or something. But I'm 54. So back then it wasn't a term you didn't have Google. You had your encyclopedias. You, you didn't know that there, people didn't speak of mental illness. So that's to be applauded that we can understand that nowadays. She definitely had rage that she would, um, alcohol did not help. And then she would beat us, um, pull us out of our beds. I say us, I have three siblings and you would be lined up in the living room at two in the morning. Who did it? who did this thing? And none of us even knew what it was. Mm -hmm. And a belt would come out, we'd be hit. A lot of times my older brother or older sister would just admit that they did this thing to get it over with. So it's, I certainly took the brunt at times as well. But to get through those times, for me, my escape was comedy. Mm. And some people may know of Carol Burnett. She had a sketch comedy show on. It was usually Saturday nights before the Sonny and Cher show. And it was sketch comedy. And in my mind, I escaped. I told myself I was being raised by Carol Burnett, who also had alcoholic parents. And she went to live with her grandma. And if you even Google that, I, if you've not even seen it, look for that show and look for the outtakes and how they played with each other. And that was my escape. I pretended I was there. Mm. I played Barbies in my room for hours. I'm so to this day, I'm creative. And as time went on, I went on to run, perform and um, produce shows with a comedy troupe. It's locally where I live. It's award winning in my area. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing that for two decades. Kind of interesting how my escape became one of my professions. Mm-hmm. That's really amazing that you've been able to do that. One of the things that I've learned after interviewing, having interviewed so many different people is that oftentimes, one way or another, we end up pursuing something that is meant to fulfill an area within our past, right? Mm-hmm. Something that we've gone through or something that we've seen another one go through. And I don't know how it happens. I don't know if there's something, especially if it's something that you haven't personally experienced, like what does that inner voice or inner child tell you? as far as, hey, you have to do this, or this is the route. In your case, it's comedy. In my case, it was creating this. In other people's cases, it could be playing a sport mm-hmm. that, that gives you that hope and inspiration. And I think more importantly, as I'm even talking to you, I think what it ultimately gives you is an activity through which you can rewrite your narrative. And you can write that narrative from how you want to see it. And I think that's the most important part that a space like that and like the one you're exploring of comedy that can provide to us as individuals. 
It is important to do so. When you think of it, everyone's walking around with their story and we forget that. We're mm -hmm. angry in traffic or we're in a hurry in line at the store. But what if we pretended the person who's taking up all the time with the cashier ahead of us and irritating us, what if we pretended that person had a day similar to one of our bad days? And what if we just cooled it and just had empathy and maybe just forgive those around us. I'm telling myself that as well. I'm not saying I have that nailed. Absolutely not. But on the bright, bright days, you know, you can say, okay, bad traffic. Somebody cut me off. Hey, at least we didn't collide. You know, everyone does have their story. It's not just you and I connecting with the story. Everyone has, maybe they had a great childhood, but perhaps they have an illness or perhaps they have someone near to them that they're caring for. I mean, everybody's got some backpack that they're carrying that we can't see. How many rocks they have in it, I don't know. <laughs> but everyone does have that. That's a really interesting analogy. I've never even thought about it from that way. Everybody carries a backpack, mm -hmm. and we don't know how many rocks it has in it. Mm -hmm. But it's so true. Every single one of us, we, we have a story. And that story, in my opinion, it's always a work in progress. Right. So we never come to that end point, right? Right, I think, right. I think that one of the things that I've learned throughout this is that there is not, no such thing as a final destination. This is your final destination. And that's the journey every single mm -hmm. day. You know, we think about these concepts of happiness and wealth and success and thinking that, man, just one day, just one day and I'm going to achieve it. But in all honesty, that day never comes because that day is today. <laughs> That is awesome. I, I agree with that. I, when I spoke recently, that is one of the things I said to the group was, what if this is our last day on this big spinning rock? You know, whatever you believe is beyond. Mm -hmm. This now is now. And are we, are we getting hung up on all the little things? I certainly have today at my office job before I took off to, to spend time with you. I certainly had the little things and it's so nice to walk out and just kind of shake your head a little bit and just kind of get out of the moment. Sometimes we physically have to step back out of a moment. And, and the more you engage that thought process and make that a habit, it, each moment may not be as bad the next mm -hmm. time. It's going to happen. Mm -hmm. We're gonna, we all have triggers and we all have things that irritate us. Mm -hmm. But are we you know, taking the bird's eye view and floating up above and looking down and going, is exactly. that really the biggest thing? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, a matter of perspective, I mean, it changes everything, right? Yes. One of the things that, I'm, that I've learned throughout my own journey of having worked through certain elements of traumatic experiences of my past is the power of forgiveness and actually mm -hmm. the choice, the choice to forgive. I'm curious to know within your past, especially with the relationship that you had and maybe have, I don't know, with your mom, have you noticed a similar pattern? And, and or I guess let me ask you a question, uh, another question before that one. And that is, do you have a relationship with your mom due to the past that you've had? The book I wrote is called Laughs on Rye. Mm -hmm. And it's spelled W-R-Y to make a play on that word. And in that memoir, I write about the relationship with mom and I and how much of a roller coaster and how I set the boundary. I was raising my two sons going through my first divorce and dealing with an alcoholic mother who I would drop off food for her. 
come back the next day. She still hadn't touched it. She hadn't gotten out of bed. So you can imagine the mess. There's some severe stories I will share. Then as she was getting better, we would have a relationship, but I always kept it at arm's distance. There was a time where she was mostly healthy and she actually was in my boys' lives. Mm-hmm. So there was, it was a hell of a roller coaster, just an amazing roller coaster that no one really should have to deal with, but you do what you can until you learn more. And looking back is always clarity. But the main thing is she did pass away uh, four and a half years ago, and it was not from alcoholism. She was sober since, um, do you remember Y2K, 2000? During that, where we thought we weren't going to have computers the next day, she was in, in the emergency room. I got her there through an ambulance, via calling an ambulance. I could not lift her off the floor. And that is the day she stopped drinking. And that's a story that's in my book. It's, it's a longer story. But she did stop drinking. And in her sober times, she and I did talk. And I did say, do you ever think about what you did and, and things? And she did. She was able to say to me that she regretted it. And that's why every day to her, when she'd wake up, she, it was a new day. Uh-huh. But for a kid, I call BS, you know, uh-huh. you beat me. And then we got McDonald's, you left us. And then we got pizza. And not surprisingly, two of my siblings were severely obese and had surgery to correct that. My food disorder went the other way. I wasn't eating right and then the baby of the family was usually protected. And anyway, he, when you think about it, I did it. I was brave enough to finally say to her, what do you think of those days? And she, she was full of regret. She also would make some excuses and some deflection, which mm-hmm. I, can, I can understand. But I never thought she would actually own it mm-hmm. and, and be sorry for it. Now, in this whole story, the thing that hasn't come up yet between you and I is my father was there. Mm. How shocking is that? He was not a drunk and he is still around. And when my book came out, there was a huge wedge between us because in his mind, the past is in the past. And so I had to say to my 84 year old father, actually the past is who we are, <laughs> where we yeah. came from who, and made us who we are. Yes, mm-hmm. we can change. I can change today after our talk. I can become someone else, but I'm still made up of all the parts that made me to here. So my dad was passive. He would go into his, nowadays we'd call it a man cave. Back then it was just dad's den. Mm -hmm. And he ignored it. He ignored the screaming. He ignored the police coming. He ignored all those things. That's something he has to deal with. And he thought it was in the past, but my book kind of, I wasn't trying to call him out. I was always a daddy's girl till my book came out. Mm. So I learned huge from that, that I didn't realize how unusual it was. It was just my family. Mm Mm-hmm. How did that change your, your relationship with that, with your dad? He is mostly standoffish because that is one of the questions that will come up. Oh, did you have a dad at that time? Cause like I say, you can ask me anything and, and I'll say, yeah, he was around. Well, what did he do? Mm-hmm. Dealt with it, ignored it. Mm-hmm. I think it's that time of back then you were married, you stayed married, you, you stayed married till the kids are all gone. Well, that's not doing anyone a favor. Yeah. <laughs> so. I think that was his mentality and we all kind of accepted it. That's all we knew mm-hmm. as kids. You know, what's interesting about everything that you just share is that there's a phrase and, and I don't remember the exact wording, but the concept is that whatever is said in the household stays in the household type of thing. 
And what I learned over time is that I remember when I was first, when we were first starting to build this space, it, you know, it started off as just a place for adoptees and foster youth to share their experiences, then it expanded more and more. And ultimately what I've learned is that this concept of marginalized, it applies to each and every single one of us, right? In my opinion. And the reason why I believe that is because I think marginalized is just another term for a subject that we don't feel comfortable talking about. Maybe because we haven't had the space or maybe because we don't have the language to talk around it. And so for the longest time, I remember when I would go in different college campuses and I would talk to professors or I would try and book speaking engagements with them. And I would, they, when I would explain my story, they would always say, oh, you mean special populations or you mean marginalized groups that you're trying to talk to. And I never thought of myself as marginalized before. And I, I said, I guess so. But how does that make me marginalized? The fact that I was adopted or had this um, upbringing for my first 12 years. And then what I begin to realize is that it's these conversations that normalize this whole concept of being marginalized, right? <laughs> when we think about our family and this concept that whatever is said in your family needs to stay in your family. That's a marginalized topic. That's a marginalized view. So if, if that's true, then not only will we never reveal parts of that past or parts of that identity, but simultaneously, we're also not, cre we're not creating a space for someone else to say, hey, it's okay. Like, you're not alone. Right. I've been there. I've had parents like that. Mm -hmm. So I, ju I just think it's a very interesting concept that oftentimes, and I used to think this way too, as far as like, oh, it's not me, it's them. I'm not marginalized, it's them. And then, I started, and then when the conversation turned and I became a part of that tribe, that's when I started to notice that it's like, this is not, being marginalized is not about being part of a specific group. It's just a topic that we don't feel comfortable talking about. So I'm, I'm curious to know kind of from your perspective, what, what comes to mind when you think of that concept marginalized? I think it's a lazy term for people to push you off to the side because they don't quite know what to say. I mean, it's lazy. It's mm -hmm. what's marginalized. What's uh, that could be where you grew up. That could be, your hobbies, it could be your favorite color. I mean, can't we all go into different buckets, but there, there aren't buckets for us. And mm -hmm. like you said, I think it's because they didn't know it's a topic we didn't talk about. Mm -hmm. You know, I think about if you were gay back when I was a kid, you couldn't say it. I had gay friends and I didn't know them until I was a young adult. And one of my sons is gay. And until he came out, I can't imagine the struggle, the internal struggle to pretend that you aren't attracted to someone or that you have feelings that way. Or, I mean, it's, it's, and I, and I knew it for a long time, but until he would say it, it was just horrible, you know, because you knew who cares, yeah. be you, celebrate you. This is, this is where you at. And you know, ah, uh, I could go on, but to say marginalized is to say, you're not like me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that could be what marginalized is. Mm -hmm. 
it, it, it's a very interesting point that you bring up as far as, you know, sometimes we may know certain things, but people have to develop their own language and they have to, I think, initially give themselves permission before they maybe seek permission from somewhere else. Right. I, I think that's how, that's been how it's been for me, like different areas that I didn't feel comfortable in talking about a lot of elements of my past. I know that I had to take a step back and kind of create that space for myself before I can create a space for someone else to be a part of it. When people hear that you're adopted, do they, is it common that they just start with questions? Do they so, feel you out? Yes. It, it, it's a very common thing. 99% of the time it is with questions or it's with the um, feelings of, Oh, I, I'm sorry. Um, and and, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's something that I've learned to embrace, um, partially because of the person that I am. And that is, I just try and create a, a space where we can mutually understand each other. Mm -hmm. And so I try and follow up those remarks with questions. What, you know, what makes you feel sorry? Or what makes you feel this way? Or what do you think adoption is? Mm -hmm. To create um, a definition our space of definition for them. But it, it was interesting because when I went into the college campuses and I was approaching to come and speak to their students and I was labeled as someone who was marginalized due to my experience, it was the first time that it clicked for me. I was like, oh, marginalized. Is that because it's something different? Is, you know, and, and why is different why our difference is not celebrated right. but rather we shy away from you know this whole concept of thing diversity and inclusion it's interesting and the reason why it's interesting for me is because even though i think we acknowledge it um you know, diversity and inclusion is not all about race right i think in my opinion diversity right. inclusion is not only the acceptance and celebration of each human being, but also the respect of a perspective. I think it's more so the respect of a thought, of an idea. And I mean, even if anyone were to ask me now who I am, for those that really understand me beyond the job title and other things, I would just simply answer that with the fact that I'm an idea. I'm an idea. That's what I want to be. That's who I am. You know, I'm an idea. I'm, an, I'm a seed to someone else's um, garden. I'm, I'm an opportunity for them to explore who they are. And one of the things that I admire about you is your dedication and approach to celebrating other people. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I don't know how you do that. And so I would love to actually learn, like, a, you know, what made sense to you whenever you were able to recognize it as far as this is how I want to approach others. You know, yeah, I want to change my language when yeah. I talk to them. It comes from having to pretend my way through things. And therefore I would, I celebrate if somebody doesn't have to pretend or fake their way through things. Mm -hmm. I had to pretend and fake for so many years. I missed so much school and I felt so far behind from being, just the whole abuse thing. And I would, I was very sickly. Like I said, I wasn't eating right. I had strep with pneumonia at one time. 
turned into mono or something. I missed so much school. And when you miss algebra one day, how does that feel? <laughs> now do the that end for of the world. <laughs> yeah. I've been so, try that for a couple weeks. So I actually left school and in 10th grade. And so every job I've had and everything I've done, I, I guess I was always an actress. I am that person. I can do that role. The thing I do by day, I, I submit records to the state. That's huge. I don't have a degree in that. I'm not saying I'm pretending to do records. Let me scratch that. I learned. I had to go through multiple training. It wasn't until my book came out that I admitted to people that I was a dropout. And guess what? No one cares. <laughs> but all these years, it was my secret. No one could know I don't really have. I never walked across the stage at high school. I certainly went on to school. But no one cares. They got their own stuff going on. Mm -hmm. So I celebrate that with other people that are brave enough to just say, yep, I'm this, or yep, I'm that, or no, I don't understand. I love questions because I want to know that it's okay if I ask questions. Yeah. I don't understand things in certain realms. I'm not deep-seated into politics. So if the topic goes to that, I, I, I don't want to sit and pretend. Uh -huh. But I also, I admire that somebody has the passion for it. Mm -hmm. That's why if you see my my things on Facebook, my favorite topics are relatable comedy. And of course, my dog, you'll see that all the time. But it, everything I share is to, to evoke happiness or a question to make you share with me because I want your story. I want your story so much. I, I want to look at the girl walking down the street with bright blue hair. I want to look at the guy who's maybe in full makeup. And I just think that is so cool that we don't all look the same and we don't all act the same. Mm. Just really embracing individuality and, and people. That you're not pretending to be something else. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very interesting point because it does take time in my opinion, and maybe that's not true for everyone, but in, in my life, it took time to be who I am and embrace my perspectives and thoughts. And um, I guess what I'm trying to say is that for every person, it's going to be a different journey. But mm -hmm. as long as we have people like you who are there to celebrate others and say, hey, it's okay for you to be you, then yeah. I think that's the most important thing that we can do as far as a contribution to another person's life. Yes, I think so. I, I, I love that idea because growing up in school, uh, when I was younger and in school, if you didn't have a certain brand of jeans, you were the poor people. Yes. And guess where I fell into? I, I did not have the fancy jeans. My mother made our clothes and she was an excellent seamstress. And if you were that talented today with what she could do, you'd be just celebrated huge. Back mm -hmm. then it meant you were poor. You know, so why put somebody in there? Now it's so cool to go to retro clothing, use shops and, you know, get dressed and maybe you're wearing your neighbor's shirt. Who knows? <laughs> but yeah. to be just so wild and free to say, no, I, I, I just spent 75 cents on this whole outfit. It's actually huh. cool now. But when I grew up, that would have been like, all right, don't come by us. Mm -hmm. And part of that, what I've also learned is that once we choose to put a label on someone else, it becomes that much harder for the individual to break away from that label. So simultaneously, we're almost imprisoning them, right? So True. how can we ever have them expect to have a breakthrough when all they know and all they think is the label that we've created for them? Yeah, that's a really good point. 
I think that's, that's why the more we get the message out <laughs> or just, just do it in our own day, accept people. I, I do engage with strangers. That's mm -hmm. one of the things that um, has become something I'm kind of known for. I do serious selfies with strangers and it's a very odd thing, but it makes my heart go and it makes me sweat a little bit in the weird places. And that's kind of what I go for because then that's how you know you're alive. When you mm -hmm. feel a little bit giddy or you dare yourself, that's where I'm at. Mm -hmm. And so I'll go up to somebody and I'll just say, hey, uh, can I get a picture with you? Almost always I get a yes. And then is the challenge, we can't smile. And that is one of the goofiest things <laughs> that has become, I do have strangers approach me now or somebody I may not know that starts <laughs> pictures. I might be out to lunch and then somebody's like telling me that in, in my town where they know me. So mm -hmm. it's the most bizarre thing. But the thing that happens during that, you get those people that don't understand and they'll, they'll post on my Facebook page. I don't get why everything is so serious. That, that's not what we want to see. And somebody actually said that on my page, to which I stated, I dare you to try it because all you do beforehand and afterwards is laugh your head off because trying to be serious for a photo is not easy. <laughs> so, I so, talk about it that way. And, it, and I've made actual friendships out of that. I've got true friends now that we go out, we stay in touch. It's, it's the silliest thing. I never expected that. And that. But guess what? I was engaging with real humans and mm -hmm. that's how you meet people. <laughs> not, mm -hmm. not through Facebook. You're not going to, I love Facebook. I actually do, but I'm just saying if you actually want to go out to eat with somebody or go hang There's out. Or, mm -hmm. Yeah. What made you start that? I dared myself. I wanted to, to do it. And I, I think I just wanted a picture with somebody I didn't know. And then when I approached these two girls who were on a street outside of one of my favorite restaurants and they were so full of joy, they were um, young adult females that had gotten double scoop ice cream and they were near a brick wall. And, and I, I have an artsy brain. And to me, that was just like photo. They are laughing at <laughs> their ice cream. So I went up to them and I said, can I get a picture with you guys? And they were wide open to it. And so we did this serious and, and uh, it's so funny to me. And so they were serious with their ice cream, which is also very funny. And then afterward, they asked if I would take their photo um, for their own pages. And my husband was beside me and he was coaching him going, all right, look in the distance. Now show me, you know, the uh -huh. most meaningful, you know, you're, you're thinking of the love of your life. And he was coaching him in just the silly, silly director way. And we had this amazing laugh filled moment together then my book comes out like a year after that and I included the photo in there amongst other photos and somebody recognized who they are long story short we all connected with their moms their young women they're you know not juveniles but they're young women and their moms and their friends and we packed in a table at a coffee house and we laughed and we connected and figured out how we kind of know each other's families and then we went shopping at a um, used clothing store right down the way. <laughs> and, and we broke out in song. We were oh, singing nice. ABBA and I recorded it. And it was ridiculous. All because of one photo. And we're still in touch. And now mm. one of the girls is going to write a book. And I'm kind of coaching her on that. It's ridiculous. That's one example of so many that I have. Yeah. Just the power of connection, right? And I, I think... Yeah. Exactly. And I think the other reason why that story is relevant is something that I choose to believe is that we're always one connection away from yes. accomplishing whatever it is that we envision. We never That's know true. who that connection is. We never know where it's going to come from, 
but I just continue to believe because it has happened to me so many times that it's always one connection. Yes. And yeah. One of my catchphrases is what ifs and why not? So if you, you dare yourself daily and you ask yourself like you, like you, what if I go to this campus and just introduce yeah. myself and ask if I could speak sometime? Mm-hmm. Why not go try that? No harm. No one's mm-hmm. going to bleed from it. Mostly probably. <laughs> and what if, what if all you do is have a great conversation with somebody that you normally wouldn't have talked to? Yeah. What if you get shot down? You're still breathing. You yeah. lived through it. I yeah. made it. I'm you okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, there's somebody in the unconventional leaders group that says, uh, go out and get five no's today. I don't know if you saw his post right now. I'm blanking on his name, but go and get five no's. I was like, what? Sure. Because if you ask five different people, if you can go speak, what if you do get one? Yes. Huh. But in your mindset, I want to get five. Then it does work. Uh-huh. At least gets you out there. Mm-hmm. Just switching the mindset. Yeah. And that, I think that's what it's all about, right? At the end of the day is just giving it a shot and, and knowing that there's always a way as long as there's a will. And I think, um, I think the person you're talking about, uh, Kurt. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Muller. I, I just, yeah, Muller, with right? him, mm-hmm, um, I associate him with, uh, messaging like that. And I connected with him as well. He's a, um, great person when it comes to that. Lisa, final, final thought for today's episode. And that is, uh, this is a question that I ask a lot of our guests that come onto the show. And the reason why is because I want us to be um, as intentional as we can with our days and, and with the actions that we take. And that is, how have you or how can you be a contribution to someone else's life today? One of the things that as a survivor, if you want to give the title, is mm-hmm. that I, I did not um, keep doing what was happening to me as a kid. I broke that cycle. And therefore, when my kids are growing up, if I was always there for their friends so that they would have an adult to go to. I never had an adult that I trusted. So I made myself open to, hey, if you ever need anything, let me know. And real gently, um, be there for those that you think might need you. Be who you needed when you were younger mm. or when you were going through a, a difficult time. Are you being who you needed? Can you be that person to someone else? Because it's never too late if you're still breathing. And another thing I do is I try and dare myself daily, being bold and being brave and dare yourself. Because what if right after you and I talk, I get hit by a bus, right? Did I, did I make the most of this day? Mm-hmm. Or at least do something that made my heart go a little faster. That's mm-hmm. always where I'm at. That's yeah. on my good days, because I do have down days. On my good days, that's where my mind is at. Mm-hmm. And I think we all have those days as well, right? Mm-hmm. The biggest thing yep. to acknowledge is that even those who are in your position and that is involved part of different groups and initiatives and stuff like that, we're also human beings. Yeah. And we also have down days and we have days where we do experience the inner critic within us mm-hmm. um, telling us that we shouldn't do this or we shouldn't do that. Or we should just be who we are and, and not try anything new. We, we experience every single one of those feelings. And I think sometimes we misunderstand that. And we think that those who have created the spaces have, housed them, have somehow figured it all out. But really, it's the other way. I think those who have 
created the spaces and every single one of us creates this space on a daily basis for others to engage. It's just, we found the courage to do so. Right. We may want to know more. Mm-hmm. So I think this concept of figuring it out, I've repeated this over and over again is we never actually figure it out. Mm-mm. It's ever evolving. Think of a stream. Mm-hmm. The, the rocks are not the same tomorrow. The moss is not in the same spot. The, the stream is ever, ever flowing. The stream is there, yeah. but it's never again the same stream. Mm. Never thought about it that way. That's really interesting. Huh. Lisa, how do people find you? And what are you currently doing that people can take uh, part in? My favorite playground is Facebook. So find me at Lisa David Olson. And otherwise, I've been doing a lot on LinkedIn, trying to grow that network as well. Mm-hmm. I'm, um, so what am I doing? I just published a journal that has creative tips from my two decades of being uh, in comedy. And I love to play with creative ideas, get people unstuck when they are stuck in a moment. And so that's what I do. I, I'm a keynote. I'm writing and I work full time at a police department in the records division. So I am never not busy, but I love <laughs> And the biggest thing going on right now would be my podcast is going to launch in a couple of weeks, I think. So that's stranger connections. So you can uh, look for that and listen to all the weird stories that I'm collecting. And if you know somebody that's super weird, message me. <laughs> I want the weirdos because it's wonderfully weird. <laughs> I'm, I'm very fortunate that you had invited me to be a, a guest on, on your show and your podcast. I think there's so much to learn from each and every single one of these labels and concepts. And I think the best way to do so is just normalize the experience. Right. Absolutely. I really appreciate being, being with you today and, and chatting. Your questions are phenomenal and really make me think, and I really appreciate it. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for being a guest and thank you for sharing who you are and, and being you. That's the most important. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google, describing your experience and the impact that this particular show has had on you and your life. Second, if you haven't subscribed to our show, go ahead and do so, so you don't miss out on any of the latest guests or any of the latest content. Third, if you are looking to get more connected to this particular community and all of the things that it has to offer, Consider joining us on our weekly calls called Courageous Conversations, which take place through Zoom. They're free of charge, happen every single Saturday at 9 a.m. Central Time. If you are interested, please go ahead and leave us a message through our website, and that is overcomingodds.today, and we'll be happy to respond to you with all the details about how you can join any of those particular calls. Once again, we thank you for listening, and we look forward to having you next week.